Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with the topic, should video games be priced per hours played? I don't normally just like show an article on screen and read it, but this is very short and it's barely an article. Video game prices are very, very low for what they offer, says GT6 publisher Take-Two. And so this article isn't anything, it's just um, the quote from Strass Zelnik. So this was in an earnings call where he says, in terms of our pricing for any entertainment property, basically the algorithm is the value of the expected entertainment usage, which is to say per hour value times the number of expected hours plus the terminal value that's perceived by the customer in ownership if the title is owned rather than rented or subscribed to. What a mouthful. Basically, Strauss Zelnick, CEO of Take-Two, people who own Rockstar Games, was basically saying like, for the amount of money that you spend on a video game like GTA V, the amount of hours of entertainment you get is goddamn insane. The best value you can get of any entertainment. And I obviously agree. You're paying what, like 20 bucks and some overpriced goddamn food to watch a movie for two hours? Or you can like buy a game, like I don't know, Noita for 20 bucks and spend like five hours playing the game. You know, think of the dollar value to hour of entertainment I've gotten personally from playing GTA 5. Insane. Like even like the most basic game, you're probably going to play it for like eight hours, right? And you're spending what, 60 bucks on that. That's a good return on time. Whether Strauss believes that they should charge more for their games, I can't say. It's a little bit suggestive that he thinks that. But just because the dollar per hour entertainment is best in video games, it doesn't mean that people would be willing to pay more money for that. Because when you're buying a video game, you don't know how long you're going to end up playing it. You haven't seen it yet. You don't know the value that you're getting necessarily. Because you might buy a game, play it for two hours, realize it's shit, and leave. Like when you're paying 20 bucks for a movie, you're going to be in that cinema watching that entire movie. The amount of times you walk out of a movie is very little. But video games, you've probably dropped video games after a couple of hours many times. It's just not driving with you. You, you forget where you're up to destroy, you don't come back to it. The value in most other forms of entertainment is more obvious than a video game that you haven't played. I picked up Noita for $20, I played it for like 500 hours, but I may have only played it for like three hours. If you were to charge $180 for GTA V, for most people, if you played the whole game, which takes like 50, 60 hours, that'd be still very good value for money in regards to entertainment. But one, most people won't do that. And two, most people won't even be aware that they might do that. You know, what I'm saying is the upfront cost that people are willing to pay for a bit of entertainment is not solely determined by the the maximum possible time that they might spend with that bit of entertainment. There was a post on Twitter where people were taking this to an extreme like this was posted a lot. GTA 6 publishers says that $70 is very, very low for the value provided and suggests the game should ideally be priced per hours played. If there is a direct quote that says that no one from what I can see is posting it. So whether that's a justified interpretation of something he said, I don't know. If anyone has a quote, I'd be happy to see it. Like a subscription method? Even the current subscription methods that we have for gaming is more about not how much you personally play, but you're renting the game, you know, like Game Pass or, or you, you get access to World of Warcraft for 10 bucks a month or something. Imagine you're being charged a dollar an hour that you play a game and you accidentally leave the game going. <laughs> You go on a holiday or something and you come back and you've accidentally left GTA 6 going and you're in debt thousands of dollars or some shit. <laughs> Ultimately, companies want you to rent digital games, not buy them, so you can pay them forever. But that's not in all cases going to be a better model. That's necessarily going to get more revenue necessarily. It depends on the type of game, I suppose. So in a previous ramble, I talked about how there was some hubbub about the Take-Two CEO suggesting that he thinks that the cost of video games should go up. 
And at the time, I couldn't find anything that specifically said that. Like, there was stuff where he said that they were priced very well, and it was a good value and stuff, but nothing that specifically said, hey, yo, let's jack up the prices. And that seems to be because I think people were just exaggerating what he was saying, at least according to this article here. Zellick assured that Take-Two prices do not reflect the extensive engagement they offer, stating our frontline prices are still very, very low because we offer many hours of engagement. So basically, for your dollar, you get a lot of value with your Take-Two products. The top executive said he doesn't think game prices should go up. On the contrary, he highlighted that delivering more value than what the company charges consumers has always been the company's strategy. We want to make sure the experience is first class and the nature of the experience is not just the quality of what we offer. It's also what you pay for it. Everyone knows that anecdotally. Yeah, so it doesn't seem like he's going to be jacking up prices anytime soon. He was just pointing out like, as I agree, that video games are some of the best, especially Rockstar games, are some of the best dollar per hour entertainment you can get anywhere. Do notifications affect the reach of YouTube videos? So I wouldn't normally just show a short, but the information in here has been debated by YouTubers as to whether or not they agree. Who wants to know the secret for YouTube shorts? It's one of the strangest things you'll ever see. There's a little checkbox, and that checkbox says, if you want to notify your subs of the upload. And you know what you do? You uncheck that box. Why would we do this, chat? Why would we uncheck the box to notify subscribers? Well, the way that the algorithm works on a lot of these platforms is if you have a bunch of subs and it sends it out to those subs and they don't interact with it, it goes, wait a minute, people aren't interacting with this. I won't waste my time with it. Many people who subscribe to you will eventually be dead accounts. They don't log in anymore. They don't look at YouTube. They may not interact with your stuff, etc. If you turn this off, it sends it only to people who aren't subscribed to you yet, which means live active users. So when you make a short, you uncheck that box and it goes into live feeds only with real people interacting with it. Hearing this, I'm like, it is certainly true that algorithms tend to punish content that people could potentially engage with, but don't. That's what we call a click-through rate, for example. If your thumbnail is shown a hundred times and it's clicked by five people, that's a 5% click-through rate. And the algorithm's like, oh, this is this has gone pretty good, you know? But if this is true, that feels like a massive oversight on the part of YouTube, right? The idea that dead accounts that have no ability to interact with something could be in some way harming your channel. It would be suggestive that the more subscribers you got and the older your account, the more you would be penalized. At least he's claiming this about shorts. Like, I would have assumed that if you're not logged in to your accounts on your device, that it wouldn't be able to send you notifications. And people with truly dead accounts wouldn't be logged into them anywhere. So why would it send a notification to that account? Very old accounts, probably those mobile devices that they were logged into have long since been destroyed. They don't have any batteries, so how is it gonna send notifications? I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm saying there's reasons why I could be, I'm skeptical of it. Additionally, I know that the shorts algorithm and the long form content algorithms are different, but why couldn't this also apply to long form content? Like the engagement with notifications is really low, chat. The amount of my views that come from notifications is probably less than a percent. As you likely can understand, like I'll release 15 videos a month. That's 15 notifications. But I've got a thousand videos that are propagating throughout the algorithm everywhere else. So as a percentage, it's always going to be quite low. Of the 16 million views I got over the last 28 days, 75,000 were from notica notifications. So 0.5%. 
So it wouldn't cost me anything to test this, I suppose. The problem with testing any variable on this bloody website is that nothing remains constant month to month. Like the quality of your videos or what's happening, other, what other creators are doing, or, or the particular month, how many people are on holidays or, or what have you. So you can do something and see a decrease or an increase, and, and you can attribute that to the thing that you've changed. But in reality, it could be entirely different variables, you know? We don't even see all the variables that are impacting us. We, we just don't have access to what everyone else is doing or what the algorithms are doing and all that jazz. And even what information we do have access to doesn't mean we can necessarily interpret it correctly. It would, however, just seem weird for YouTube to want this to work this way. At the very least, if I start posting shorts again, I, if I remember, I will try this. I mean, YouTube has website push notifications. Nothing needs to be logged in for those to be sent. That's because YouTube notifications work really poorly. Yeah, that could be true. As I say, I don't know enough. And so this is, this is a very, and, and I suspect many other creators are the same. You, we don't think much about notifications. And our ability to test with them is fairly limited. So hearing this is like, maybe. Possibly. Could be. Isn't it rare to have notifications turned on for a channel? I'm pretty sure that is true. I personally have not had notifications turned on for any channel ever. In my entire history of using YouTube, not even once. On Twitch, it tells you what percentage of your audience received a notification. So for my live stream on November 9th, 182,000 people have notifications turned on of 730,000 people. So 25% have notifications turned on, but only 819 tapped those notifications. That is a little bit deceptive though, because people can not tap the notification, but then like, you know, unlock their phone and then just go to the app and, and then click into your stream. But just as a raw click-through rate, that's obviously quite low. One in every 180 people who have it turned on clicking through. And of course that's Twitch, which is, you know, if you don't catch the live stream then, you'll never catch it, right? Although I suppose you can catch the VOD on YouTube and all that stuff, but you, you get the idea. Like you, you, the audience for YouTube and Twitch in regards to how they treat notifications is not necessarily exactly the same. Twitch has removed hype chats. So amazing news for us here over on Twitch. Based on the community feedback, we've decided to depreciate hype chat on November 15th and invest more into cheering and bits going forward. We still believe in the value of pinned messages in fast moving chats. Viewers will be able to pin cheers with bits in the coming weeks. People on YouTube right now are like, what the fuck does any of that mean? So on YouTube, there's a thing called Super Chats. On YouTube, there are Super Chats, which you pay money, your message appears in chat, and then it's like pinned to the top and you can click it and you can see what people's messages were. And so Twitch tried to add their own version of that, even though they already have bits. Bits did the exact same thing in that it like highlighted your message in chat, but your message that you put didn't get pinned to the top. Really, obviously it was just Twitch being like, hey, we can maybe copy this YouTube feature and get a bit more money. But it was just confusing because you now had two ways to donate to the streamer. You had bits and this hype chat thing. And most of the things that handle alerts didn't ever handle hype chat. So it would like appear as like a blank thing. It wouldn't tell you who sent it or whatever. It'd just be like, hey, you got like a dollar. And you'd be like, oh, thank you whoever did that. And it was just very annoying. So I'm very happy they removed this. It was silly. It was also worse value for money compared to getting bits, so. The John Wick franchise is pure mindless fun. So I finally got around to watching John Wick 4. And this clip in a way, like, defines the movie for me. So the, the Hollywood handle says, name your favorite movie moment scene of 2023 so far. And uh, this 21 second clip. So 
Obviously, when you watch an action movie, you kind of just gotta like turn off your brain, you know? This idea of gun kung fu isn't really a thing. The amount of times where you're like, look, he clearly should be dead by now. <laughs> Didn't he just get shot like eight seconds ago? Why is he fine now? All this stuff you just gotta ignore. And in each John Wick movie, they felt it necessary to like one up the previous movie and the one upping seems to have just made things more outlandish and hard to accept the reality of the situation right like it's harder to turn off your brain and just go okay this is just cool action stop thinking about how like yeah he should be dead yeah he should have been shot right then like the amount of bullets that john wick dodges in this movie is in the thousands like you've got like some of the most trained ki killers people who've dedicated their entire lives to being assassins people who are so confident in themselves that they can take on the john wick you know they they're challenging him in the street with a bunch of other killers as well and they they've got guns and rather than shooting john wick they like walk up to him like this hold their uh, like put their hands out like this and john wick just goes bah, 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 and they fall down and die and then he shoots them directly in the face and it's just like damn dude that's very cool but that's so dumb the amount of stupidity expressed by the characters so that john wick can look cool killing them is uh extreme and it's gotten worse each movie. So I think if like John Wick 5 came out, I, like, I don't know how un un just insane that would be. Like John Wick would fire like one bullet and it would ricochet off like 17 different things and kill like 57 people or something. Like, just, just to one up the previous movie. John Wick is the new Fast and the Furious franchise. It's only going to get more silly as time goes on. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good example, I suppose. Whether there's going to be a John Wick 5 though, who knows? I mean, John Wick 4 did so well. I mean, John Wick is getting on in years. Like, it's hard in a way to accept him as like an action star. Not that I'm saying he was bad in the movie, but obviously it's going to get to a point where he's like a wizened old man with a cane being like, I'm going to get him. You know what? I didn't want to spoil the end of the movie, but um, obviously no one is really dead in movies because they can just be like, uh, actually, all the people thought he was dead because he faked his death and uh, he's, he's living out here. But actually, kablamo, thing happens, so he now has to come back and show that he's alive to get vengeance on blah, 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 blah. One of my favorite parts of this, though, was when he got the loyalty of one of the other main characters because he saved his dog's life. Like, in a way, coming full circle <laughs> with the first movie. Because in the first movie, John Wick's dog was killed by that dude. And so, John Wick, rather than killing this guy, used his bullets to save the dog. And I'm like, oh, it's like, it's like you know, saving a dog. Like, because he couldn't save his dog back in the day. So it's, it's a good movie. In, in Interesting, entertaining movie. I understand why it's doing so well. Good numbers. But if you're a person who can't shut off your brain and just accept the action for it being cool, this will be a troublesome movie to watch, you know. Although, the first scene in the entire movie where Morpheus, the guy from Matrix, I can't remember his name in the actual movie, but he he um he does a huge speech and then he says to, to John Wick, are you ready? And he turns around and he's like, yeah. And I'm looking at that scene like, I guarantee you, they shot that scene like a hundred times. Just John Wick turning around going, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and they, just, and they picked the best one. And honestly, the one they picked, wasn't a fan of it. I, I thought he could have done that better. <laughs> one thing I'd like to see is every highly rated action movie reshot. So the first grunt gets a lucky shot and just happens to kill the main character. Because the amount of times in all these movies where it's like, you know, if that trained killer had just been slightly more accurate with his shot, this movie would have ended like an hour and a half ago. I want to see every one of those scenes and the main character's like, ah, oh, and then just dead. I think that'd be hilarious. So apparently, there is a John Wick anime in the works. 
The only reason I'm referencing this is because I talked about how I felt about John Wick 4 a couple of days ago and how all the bullet dodging and stuff was uh, hard to suspend disbelief. And hearing about John Wick anime, I do think it would be easier to accept the kind of style of uh, gun fu that John Wick has in an anime form. Like John Wick barely has a story. What are they gonna do in the anime? Is it just ultimately going to be the same kind of fighting stuff that John Wick has, but just in anime form? Because honestly, as an animation, it will probably be easier to do. Like if you wanna have two guys like flying around in the air or whatever, that's, that's probably a lot harder to do in real life than, than in a fantasy setting, right? Like I think this could really work. John Wick has been in every form of media, has he? You got bored of John Wick after the second. If you aren't into mindless action, you will likely get bored of it because that's most basically what it is. And I'm not a huge action guy, but it was enough to still grip me. My rambles now get as many views as they used to. So good news on the front of my rambles channel. I think I've finally hit the point where we're getting similar views to what I was getting on the main channel. A range of like between 40 and like 100,000 were kind of what the main channel rambles used to get. So it took seven months of uploading far more and of higher quality to reach this point. Because you imagine how these videos would have done if they were on the main channel. I actually don't know. I'll never know. For all I know, if I just put more my commentary content on uh, my main channel, I would have got even more views, but we don't know. YouTube has not reached out to me and offered me a silver play button. They normally do that. I guess I have to reach out now. I think I heard that somewhere. Maybe YouTube is getting sick of how easy it is to get 100,000 subscribers on shorts now. They haven't just have like a constant printing press of nothing but silver play buttons. I will ask for it and I will put it on my wall. Hopefully I can get the live stream channel up to 100,000 at some point so the wall won't look lopsided, but we'll see. Isn't there one for one million subs? Yeah, I've got the gold one downstairs. I haven't done a house tour, but I'm still not done with setting up everything in my house. Almost though. Everyone should stop using fandom.com. So for those who don't know, fandom is like a wiki website where different communities showcase information about games and famous people and places and da da basically everything you can possibly imagine. There is even currently a fandom for me. It is the one thing I even had my mods maintain. So it has actually correct information about my life and my content and all that jazz. But there's been a huge variety of scandals related to the website, misusing traffic, being way too heavy on advertising, adding AI that gave false information, all these various different stories. And if you wanna hear about them, I highly recommend this video, Stop Using Fandom by Mossbag. It's a very interesting story where communities will go to the effort of moving like years worth of information that has been built up, built up to other websites, but just because of how bad fandom is right now. So if you have any stake in fandom, highly recommend this video. Will I personally move? Mine does not get enough traction and I don't care enough about it to bother. I did consider it, but I am just too way, 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 way too small of a fish. The intrusive ads are annoying. Yeah, apparently like there was even a, a context where they changed the entirety of a wiki for an advertisement, which was for the Grimace shake or whatever. It, it's, it's, there's a lot of apparently scummy things that they've done. Again, highly recommend this video, Stop Using Fandom by Mossback. I have heard rumblings about fandom for a while now, but this video is the one that's popped off the most. The difficulty with advertising some types of games. Uh, Heroes of Hammerwatch is a game that I have seen mentioned a handful of times. These games that are like pixel art.
These are the kind of games that can be so amazingly fun to play, but the presentation of them is so simple that it's hard to be like, man, that looks fucking amazing, because it doesn't look amazing. Top-down pixel art games just so hard to present in an engaging, over-the-top, action-packed kind of way. You know, like you've got games that came out like 15 years ago that look like absolute shit, but it's so fun to play. And if this aesthetic didn't hold this back and it managed to get, you know, 7,000 positive reviews, this game must be goddamn amazing. One of the best games of all time. A hidden gem among a crowd of indie roguelikes. Matt, if you want the replayability factor, I think you should consider checking out Let It Die. Never heard of Let It Die. Reminds me of Final Fantasy VII. This is, this, this is not gameplay. Is this gameplay? I'm noticing on Twitter recently a, a statement that I really agree with in regards to games. Don't make your trailer not gameplay. I, I don't care about this. I know what this game's about, and, and this told me nothing. This dev had two minutes to sell me on a game to play, and they showed me a small movie. Competitive Scrabble is more complicated than you think. So I talked about this dude before, Will Anderson, who makes content about Scrabble. And I'll kind of watch the random video from him, because it's just something I know nothing about, which is uh, competitive Scrabble and whatnot. But I found his newest video pretty funny. The top 10 new Scrabble words you need to know. Every few years, Scrabble's dictionaries are updated with new words to reflect changes in language. Some of these words have a big impact on the game. So then he goes through and talks about what words he likes most that have just been added in 2023 here. 500 new words. And seeing this, I thought to myself, like, there was clearly a meta for what letters have the most value on the board and, and which ones are better or worse and all that jazz. And as he says, particular words that have uh, been introduced have changed the game in a way. And I wonder, like, imagine a person who plays Scrabble or just, I don't know, an influencer or something with enough influence just started saying a word and invented a word and inspired their audience to say it en masse to the degree that it filters into the, the public consciousness, the, the, the lexicon, the, the colloquial language or whatever, and then it eventually got put into the dictionary and added to the Scrabble legal words. And this influencer did that for the entire purpose of changing the meta for Scrabble. Like he's playing Scrabble one day, he's like, I can't get rid of these fucking letters on my board. We need a new word. And then just masterminds the idea of making a new word to change the meta of Scrabble. Like, the, the average Joe has no ability to change the meta of, say, League of Legends or something. Um, but just casual changes in the way that people speak over the coming years could change the entire game of Scrabble. And I find that funny. Maybe a boring point to you, but I like this dude. And I like his channel. Meta versus chat online Scrabble? Nah, I'm not a... I'm not a Scrabble guy. I remember once I was talking to some chick online. She was like, I, I love Scrabble. I'm like, oh, I like Scrabble too. Because I used to play it with my mother when I was younger. I actually do enjoy the game. And I realized she meant that she likes competitive Scrabble. <laughs> Which is like, it was like saying you like playing chess. And so you like, you know all the rules. And so you play the game. Versus like, you watch chess tournaments. And you, you understand different openings and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, yikes. <laughs> it was many, many years ago. Two words you can use while playing Scrabble are like and subscribe, which you should do right now. Thank you for watching, and I wish you all the best.